We are rebels, rising entrepreneurs in bio-business and life science. We challenge the convention and inspire entrepreneurial innovation through rebellious activities. Welcome to the Beers with Peers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Rebels Beers with Peers podcast. I'm Tina Gutulius and today I'm sitting here with Palat Sagal, who is going to give me an insight into life as a female entrepreneur in the Danish life science space. So Palak is the founder and chief scientific officer at Nordetect, a biochemical analysis company that develops sensors for precision agriculture and environmental testing. She is a skilled bioscience professional with more than five years of experience in product-orientated research and development. She has a master's degree in plant genetics and molecular biology from the University of Nottingham in the UK and with a background in biotechnology engineering. In the past, Palak has held research positions at the Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay, and the Technical University of Denmark. Her areas of expertise span cell and molecular biology through to polymer chemistry and nanotechnology. And she has some very interesting professional experience working with pre-implantation diagnostics as an embryologist in the IVF field. And aside from work, Palak is passionate about herbal ingredients in cosmetics and has formulated several natural skincare products that are sold under the brand name Kasaya. So welcome to the show, Paula. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and having me here. Yeah. So let's dive right into our Q&A session. Sure. And uh, tell us the story of how you founded Nordetect. So when I finished my master's, I came back to India and I joined the research institute in the nanomedicine department. Mm -hmm. And I was developing test strips for pregnant ladies to analyze their urine samples. Okay. Um, I reached a point where the chemistry was ready. And I was getting colorimetric reactions, um, but there was no device to test them on, uh, unless I could use um, a spectrophotometer or an HPLC. But uh, so, and, and Keenan and me were studying together in the UK, so we were always in touch. And when I mentioned to him uh, that this is the stage that I'm at, uh, I don't have a device to analyze my colorimetric test strips with. Um, he got really excited because at that time he was in hacker space in Copenhagen and he was trying to get dirty with electronics and making bioelectronics uh, devices. So he said, well, let me try making a handheld spectrophotometer for you and let's see if it works. Wow. And then he came up with it in, within a week. So it was really uh, exciting because we were doing this via Skype where um, I would tell him how to make the iodine reaction using... Uh, it's a very simple bioreaction bio with iodine and glucose okay. and tested using his handheld device and it gave us positive results. Wow. So that was like uh, initial POC that we proved yeah. uh, <laughs> virtually. Um, and then we were thinking, okay, um, this handheld device could be used for so many other applications. So now we have to find something that's needed. 
And in 2016, um, there was this whole um, phase where uh, the government had changed in India and the PM was talking a lot about soil testing mm -hmm. because of a lot of farmer suicides that happen mm -hmm. in India every year. Yeah. So that was like a main driving force for us to look into soil quality and see if we could do some kind of detection and also had therapeutics. But then, um, then we went to China and out there, uh, it was the same situation where there was a lot of government mandates to focus on soil quality and to uh, do a lot of remediation with their water quality and desert uh, land because of all the high heavy metals that they have been using over the past. Uh, so this um, made us look into nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium because mm -hmm. these are the main compounds used for plants to grow. Yeah. And that's how an audit was born. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. So I tried to encapsulate it in small uh, uh, story, but... Yeah. So from urine samples, pregnant ladies, yeah. urine samples all the way through to the farmers. Yeah. But that's, cool. that's also because to enter into a startup in the medical field, we have to go through all the certificates and FDA approvals. That was our assumption, but and we thought agriculture would be a bit easier uh, in terms of market entry. Yeah. But <laughs> we were soon to realize that it's not. There are other kinds of trials that we need to prove and certificates that you need to get in that field as well, okay. like the EPA. Yeah. So um, nothing is easy in the startup life. That was no, the okay. conclusion out of it. <laughs> wow, very interesting. <laughs> so. You're really learning uh, just by hitting the ground running in a completely new field, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's what, that's what it's been like, uh, learning and, uh, you know, implementing yeah. and then just uh, being, uh, you know, just understanding how to go about it. Yeah. It's always been a constant learning process. Wow, super brave. <laughs> I'm really impressed already. But... Um, so maybe you know this already, but the, the current percentage of female entrepreneurs, as far as my sources show, is 3% in Denmark. So why do you think that is, and how have you beat the odds? So according to me, um, Denmark is one of the most friendly uh, countries for professionals, mm -hmm. for, like, uh, for salary work, because you have a stable, happy life with a lot of work benefits that come with it. So I think it's like um, it's just been established from years on that this is the way to go. So there hasn't been any kind of um, you can call it rebel or a role model um, that has come out of um, Denmark who's broken the boundaries, as you can say. For example, um, Susan Wojcicki and uh, Elizabeth Holmes from the UK uh, from the US mm -hmm. who've proven that like maybe some kind of um, out-of-the-box um, mentality can help, you know. Yeah. So I feel like Denmark has been very, very good with um, having infrastructure for finding jobs. So there has not been a need or some kind of, um, like there is no, uh, yeah, that's it. No drive. No, maybe, I wouldn't say drive, but there isn't something, uh, there's, there's no drive to do something different. Mm -hmm. Like it's, um, Everyone's complacent with uh, the kind of life that you're, and it's been kind of understood that this is the path to follow. Like you studying, doing higher education, PhDs, postdoc, and then after that, get into a good corporate life, and then have a good pension. 
pensioned uh, salary life. Yeah. So that's what I felt with all the people I've met here. I haven't seen uh, people being very risk um, accepting, like mm -hmm. they've been very risk averse. Interesting. On the contrary. And I mean, it's, I would also say that there's been lack of um, surrounding infrastructure um, where you'd see incentives for women to try something different. Um, for example, in the US, you have pitch competitions, you have VCs, angel groups, only uh, supporting women. Like, okay. And um, a lot of uh, female mentor networks, a lot of meetups happening every week uh, where only females are allowed and um, you, you get $10,000 competition prizes. So there's, there are incentives yeah. to, to go on these paths yeah. um, into STEM education and um, there are talks. Um, so there are a lot of these yeah. infrastructure surrounding the professional life mm -hmm. um, globally, I would say, which Denmark lacks. Yeah. Interesting. So that's the reason. Okay. Maybe. But also, um, I mean, I would say how I've been able to break through it is because maybe I've always grown up with that mindset to do something different because in India we have to be better than yourself all the time because there's so many people uh, trying to reach the level that you know, everyone's uh, fighting for the same thing. Yeah. So we've always had that um, drive to just excel more than what you can do. So I think that drive really got me to um, also pursue that in Denmark. Mm -hmm. Even when I was, um, I had a job in teaching. So I okay. tried to leave that and then pursue Nordetech full, uh, full time. But I thought there was promise mm -hmm. and passion. <laughs> so yeah, and a way to stand out as well. Yeah, okay. yeah. maybe do something good in the world. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting that you like the infrastructure is not put in place in Denmark yeah. because actually when when you talk to male entrepreneurs they will say it's a welfare state yeah if I fail if I fall on my face I've got a casa or I've got some other kind of benefits that basically cover my salary yeah. so the risk is really low yeah. but it seems that we haven't quite catered for bringing more women into, into this space yes. and maybe taking some of the fear out of that. Like you say. Yeah. It's that fear, like, I would say. Because you're right, uh, the welfare system is so good that even if you fail, it's not like you're, you're going to be broke the next no. day. So um, just, I think there has to be some kind of awareness or just these kind of programs that uh, Rebels are trying, is trying to do where you know, just kind of awareness that mm -hmm. this is also a possibility. Yeah. And highlighted. And highlighted. Yeah. yeah. Great. So, speaking of um, some kind of challenges, uh, what are some of the challenges that you face as a woman in the Danish biobusiness entrepreneurial space? So, it's, uh, I would say I haven't faced much of any gender bias, per se. People are very uh, gender neutral, mm -hmm. and um, the only feeling of positive, again, the feeling of positive shock or positive surprise that comes after meeting somebody um, is kind of uh, different because it's it's all right. It's completely normal for a female leader to be um, to be there. Like it's it's normal for a female entrepreneur to have a company and be pursuing that. Mm -hmm. But the only only um, 
feeling that I've got here is the, oh, wow, okay. So that's like a little <laughs> different because I'm not doing anything different. Like, this is not something great. Like, I, that's the only thing that I feel. Okay. Um, so yeah. that's the... Only. So you think you get a, a little bit of a surprise reaction yeah, a surprise when you reaction. meet a, a, a customer or a supplier for yeah. the first time. They're like, okay, cool, you're not in HR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. No, you're a founder. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the thing. The title and the, the assumptions of the roles mm. are the only thing that I would say. Okay. Otherwise, there's no general bias. And also, the, one of the major challenges would be the Danish language, but that is something that I'm learning, so it would be overcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but people are amazing, so they try to speak in English all the time. Yeah, that's definitely not a, a not huge challenge here. <laughs> yeah, not at all. So that, well, that's a really positive, and I guess I'm going to skip over my next question, unless you have uh, some strategies that you've used in the past when you did face some challenges, maybe even outside of Denmark, yeah. perhaps in China or... Yeah, these, um, these challenges exist more in the US, I would say, mm -hmm. where you have to constantly prove your worth and be assertive, and in order to like, uh, go against um, your grounded and stable personality to show and put your point across. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, I've had to be a little more, um, what do you call it? focused and um, a lot of self-pep talk in the U.S. in order to be in certain situations. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So just kind of uh, removing negative self-talk, removing negative self-doubt, all the time believing in like whatever you're doing is for the right reason. Um, that I've faced that in the U.S. before. Right. Because it's also a very capitalist uh, mentality, so everyone's out to be the best. Yeah, and, sure. <laughs> and it's a fast-moving place, yeah. so you just have to keep going on. Do you feel like that uh, approach in the business world translates in Denmark? I'm Not curious. really. No. Okay. No. <laughs> That's kind of what I expected. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Yenta's Law. Uh, it's. Um, well, I'm. I'm not Danish, but I'm yeah. going to try and explain my understanding of it. That. Um, no one should be better than someone else. Um, exactly. And in Australia, we have a, a similar, we call it tall poppy syndrome. And if you grow taller than the other poppies, you get chopped down. Yeah, And that's good. so there's a kind of a humbleness um, ground in this egalitarian-like um, basis of the Danish society, um, which I guess is the complete polar opposite in the US. In the US. And that's why there have been very few challenges in, yeah. in here right. to be a female entrepreneur. And, and hence, I feel like everyone should take this step because it's so easy. Um, people don't really take you in a bad light. Like it's always positive. So great. That's really <laughs> great. <laughs> okay, so Nordetech works in the agricultural industry. Um, I'm also in the agriculture industry, and I can. Uh, see that historically and yeah. even today it's run by old white men. Yes. Um, you're obviously not yeah. an old white man, so <laughs> yeah. what are some of the stereotypes you might have encountered from working within your industry today? Um, so yes, they, it is run by old white men and I think it's 
it, this is to stay. It's not going to change for a very long time because mm-hmm. many women, most women, like to be in managerial positions and not be um, in farm positions. I've noticed, mm-hmm. but here in Denmark, I've not faced um, much like the feeling of you don't belong in this industry. I haven't got that to now. And even in India, where I'm from, um, most number of female farmers uh, are there in India. So we have the maximum number of female farmers there. So I've never faced that in India as well. But I'm guessing globally I would if I go to, if I have to go to the Midwest somewhere in the US. I would face it. But here the maximum um, I have got is, oh, maybe it's too heavy. Let, let us help you. So that's good. <laughs> but nothing more than that. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, that's really. And it's also it also helps because um, I have a plant genetic background. Yeah. So when I'm talking to people in this industry, and if if anybody has any reservations or stereotypes, so to say, once they start talking about the scientific plants, crop science, mm-hmm. then they realize that I know as much as them. So I think that barrier is broken. Of uh, okay, we are different, and yeah. you know, woman in this industry. You cannot, you don't have to say or something like that. Yeah. It's never been that case. Okay, because you have the know-how. So I have the know-how. Yes. I can talk to them on their level. Yeah. I can talk to them about the cropping systems and what kind of soil types and how they need to make it better. Also technology. Yeah. So I think I've always gotten a good impression from that. Great. Very positive. <laughs> <laughs> so in saying that... Um, what do you think are some of the key attributes? I know you t- touched on it lately, uh, before, sorry, um, about how women could thrive or survive in a small startup environment. Yeah, I, I would say the main would be passion because it's the desire to constantly learn and improve yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's whether your output is bad or uh, good, you just have to keep going on. And that is, I think, number one. Because once you lose your passion, then like nobody, you wouldn't be able to go on. Yeah, I think that's you have to believe in what you're doing. So that's first. Second, I would say is flexibility and the ability to shift roles in small environments. If it's a small startup, then um, you have to do everything. So yeah, being um, malleable in that way is uh, good. And um, so like different, very different job hats. Like I would be marketing one day, uh, scientist the other day, but I have to be okay with that. Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> not everyone is happy to jump between these roles. <laughs> exactly. So that's um, even I wasn't in the beginning. I had to like do a lot of self talk and um, tell myself that okay, I can do marketing because if you come from a scientific background, um, you're not really a salesman. So that was something that I had to learn, and yeah, the passion got me to that level. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's really cool. Uh, and risk that we spoke of before. So uh, being at the place of um, having no having no fear for losing your security, or um, feeling like um, stability is everything. Mm-hmm. That attitude also helps a lot. Yeah. Right. If uh, you have to keep perseverance uh, strong for the startup to succeed. Yeah, and like you say, the first and foremost is believing in mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. 
even if it's going bad. <laughs> yes. You started doing this for, with, the, with, the, uh, with the rationale. Mm -hmm. The rationale had not gone lost just because things are hard. So to keep believing in that, uh, that yeah. first aim or goal um, really gets you far. Yeah. Great. And I guess this also follows on my next question is what advice you would give other young professional women who are thinking about coming into this scene in bio-business uh, specifically? Yeah. I would first, first thing is to just think and ponder and to really ask yourself mm -hmm. if this is what you want to do. Because there are other options available, other domains of profession, and entrepreneurship may look amazing from the outside, but it's, it's a struggle. Um, it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't, it's not uh, an easy ride all throughout, it's ups and downs. And um, uh, as I said, like it needs a lot of courage, but also being okay with levels of stress. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, and also being non-distracted, like if you have other distractions, then just knowing uh, that it, once you enter entrepreneurship, you will have to be focused because it's not going to be easy to have multiple things going around mm -hmm. and still hope that what you want, your baby can succeed. Yeah. So that's, that's really good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'd had to do that. I, had, I mean, I am a kind of person who has a lot of hobbies, but I had to be like, okay, selective. Two hobbies maybe that you can do in the evenings or on the weekends, mm -hmm. but the main focus should be making non-attack work. Yeah. For sure. But also having deadlines, right? Because mm -hmm. how long can you go on for? So yeah. That's right. That's right. And milestones and then keeping up to those milestones and keeping yourself um, more uh, like self governing is mm -hmm. one of the things that's more important. Yeah, that's a really cool term. I think a lot of people would identify with that actually because when you're not reaching your milestones but yeah. you're passionate about your product and like you say, when do you throw in the towel and exactly. say, now I need to give up? Yeah. It's really hard to do that with something you've started yourself. Exactly. You kind of uh, evolve or or die. Yeah, yeah. and nobody can advise you. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure people can advise you, but it's not easy for taking that person's advice because they don't know anything. So mm -hmm. you have to be self-learning and yeah. knowing exactly what is possible realistically. And what is possible optimistically because yeah. two different things. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's great points. Well, um, thank you very much for sharing your insights and giving us a little glimpse into what it could be like to be a founder in the Danish uh, life science scene yeah. uh, and as a woman. Let's uh, <laughs> focus on that as well. So yeah. it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>